Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 8 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. After nearly a decade with the city, Municipal Attorney Brian Hansen is retiring this year. When the Sitka Assembly met last night, it unanimously accepted Hansen's retirement notice, but not before Assembly members showed their appreciation for the work Hansen has done for the city. Deputy Mayor Kevin Mosier was the first to say thank you. From the bottom of my heart, I really wanted to say thank you uh, for all that you've done for this city, even through very difficult circumstances. And uh, it's always been a pleasure for me to speak with you. You've always made time if I have questions. And uh, I really appreciate you and I uh, wish you best in your retirement. Hansen was hired as Sitka's municipal attorney in 2016. Before that, he worked in private practice for 25 years. Assemblymember Tor Christensen said of all the lawyers he's worked with, Hansen is one of the best and compared him to former municipal attorney T. Cole. I was lucky enough to know both of them before they were city attorneys when they worked with my father. I, Brian's been a joy to work with, and, and the city attorney is a, is a weird job. You really don't want to hear from the city attorney very often because usually it means something's bad is going on. And really good city attorneys make that happen. They take care of things before their problems. And that was what he did, and that's what Brian did. Hansen's comments were brief. He just said he has a lot of work to do for the city in the next six months before he officially retires on June 30th. The Assembly is responsible for hiring two city staff positions, the municipal administrator and the attorney. The Assembly will review the attorney job description at its next meeting on January 23rd, and then they'll begin advertising for the position. Sitka's Chamber Music Festival will be getting a special gift this summer, a custom violin made out of wood salvaged from around Sitka. KCAW's Meredith Reddick spoke to the Sitka couple who commissioned the violin and to the artist who is crafting what he calls an audio portrait of the region. Daniel Graham has spent dozens of hours over the past six months weighing and monitoring the moisture of wood shipped from Sitka to his Kentucky workshop. Once the wood is dry, it will take him about 300 more hours to build the violin that will join the resident collection of instruments of the Sitka Music Festival, but Graham doesn't like to dwell on that part. The, the point of it is the instrument, the point of it is the process or the idea, and so I think it kind of muddies the water sometimes when people try and associate a value based off of time or money, you know. While most instrument makers are exacting about the species and treatment of wood they use, Graham embraces the unconventional. When Sitka couple Marcel and Connie LaPerriere reached out to him last year about crafting a violin from salvaged Sitka wood, he was immediately excited. I was like, yes, that sounds fantastic. Um, anything that doesn't look like a regular violin, I'm for it, you know. Um, I like tradition. I think tradition's beautiful. Um, but there's something to be said for doing something unique and, you know, kind of authentic to someone's vision. The family shipped Graham a collection of local woods, each imbued with its own significance. 112-year-old Sitka spruce from the original Stevenson Hall building, which Marcel LaPerriere helped renovate, and a piece of mountain ash from a tree that fell on Whale Island a few years ago. Yellow cedar, hemlock, and crabapple are also in Graham's toolkit. 
Connie LaPerriere says she and Marcel wanted to support the festival and also highlight the beauty of Sitka's forests. So it just kind of made sense that when Marcel started thinking about it, that if we could have a violin that was local and have it played by some of these world-class musicians, you know, I'm sure that, you know, the sound will be unique or uh, beautiful because these woods are beautiful. Marcel has advanced ALS, a terminal illness, and can no longer walk or talk. His wife, reading his answers aloud as he types, says the violin has given Marcel something positive to focus on. And Marcel is typing in here as he became disabled by ALS. He made it, he needed a project. So this seemed like one that he could kind of tackle under the current circumstances. Over the past six months, Graham has been slowly acclimatizing the wood and drying it out. Then he'll start hand carving, scraping, sanding, and bending. Once it's built, Graham says the sound will continue to evolve. We're going to make this, and then it's going to take people playing it to really make it sound like what it's supposed to sound like. Because the violin uses mostly non-traditional woods, Graham says there's no way to know exactly how the final product will sound. It's going to be a real audio portrait of the region that these woods come from because they're not going to sound like anything else, you know? Um, So I think some makers don't really take on projects like this because they don't know what it's going to sound like. Um, That's the reason I'm really interested in it because I have no idea what it's going to sound like. The LaPerriers aren't concerned about having a traditional sound. They're excited to hear a violin that joins the forest they love with a festival they've supported for decades. It just seemed like an incredible opportunity to showcase Southeast Wood along with the Sitka Summer Music Festival uh, because that's world class too. So and 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 unique and the two the combination of the two just seems kind of amazing. The violin will debut at the Sitka Music Festival's 2024 series this June. When it's not in use, the violin will be on display in the Minor Music Center at Stevenson Hall. Graham hopes to eventually pair the instrument with a viola he plans to build next. In Sitka, I'm Meredith Reddick. You heard the sound of the knitted violin, another instrument built by Graham in this story. You can learn more about the project and follow Graham's progress at our website, kcaw.org. Redevelopment planning is underway for Telephone Hill, an historic neighborhood in Juneau that was home to Alaska's first commercial telephone service. As KTOO's Katie Anastas reports, a mini-expedition currently at the Juneau-Douglas City Museum presents the history of telephones in Juneau. Sounds of early 20th century phones filled the Juneau-Douglas City Museum on Friday night. Ten-year-old Otis Beard studied them closely. There's a little middle ball clanking from each one really fast. Like on the other one, you can actually see it, but it goes like almost light speed. It looks really cool. Jim Samard helped get the phones back in ringing condition. They have a couple of functions. One is they've got a magneto that, um, that puts out about 60 to 80 volts. You can hear it now. It ring, rings the bell. Museum director Beth Weigel says the exhibit is an opportunity to showcase these phones as Junoites think about the future of Telephone Hill. We have these old phones in the education collection, and we're just always kind of 
fascinated by all the stuff we have that people can handle, right? We have some other phones that are in the permanent collection that are in the other room in the, in the case, but it's just, it's just kind of fun, you know? Telephone Hill was home to Alaska's first commercial telephone service. Edward Webster and his family ran the company out of their house there. The exhibit includes three photos of the neighborhood, each taken about 50 years apart. Juno resident Skip Gray took the 1973 and 2022 photos. He used to live on Telephone Hill, and he spent the last year and a half combing through photos he's taken of the neighborhood as the city discusses a redevelopment plan for the area. I just heard about the exhibit at the last first Friday, uh, and while I was here at the museum, and I offered them the use of some of my photos. Juno resident Katie Henry has seen Gray's photos on Facebook before. Looking at the ones on the wall, she says it's important to keep the green space that remains there. I think that that hill provides a relief for the encroaching, you know, kind of urban feel of the down of the downtown, and that the green is critical. Actually, it, it's part of what um, makes it still feel okay to be downtown. The state of Alaska transferred ownership of Telephone Hill to the city and borough of Juneau last year. In October, designers shared four preliminary redevelopment ideas. One involves building new housing among the existing homes. Others would remove the houses and add new homes or apartment buildings. Museum-goer Peter Metcalf lived on Telephone Hill in the 1970s and 80s. He says he's open to the city adding new housing, but he hopes they'll preserve the greenery there, too. I'd prefer they... Um well, consider some new housing, perhaps, but office buildings and apartment buildings, give me a break. We don't need that in Juneau, and it's the only, one of the very few open spaces. I mean, does the city of New York regret Central Park? Project leaders plan to give an update to the assembly later this month. It will include results from a historic site study and a public survey. In Juneau, I'm Katie Anastas. Juno's Augustus Brown Pool could reopen as soon as March after a multi-million dollar renovation over the past year. City Aquatics Manager Tara Patterson says the downtown pool means a lot to the thousands of patrons who have used it for decades. It's not just a swimming pool. It's not just a place where people go and swim laps. It's actually a, a spot where community gathers. The project, which began last April, is the first major renovation in decades for the more than 50-year-old pool. Juno Parks and Recreation Director George Schaff says the city aims to reopen it by early March, but that could shift depending on staffing. We are getting close to the end of the renovation project. Um, we're running a little bit behind schedule because of some supply chain issues and delays that we had along the way, but nothing too bad considering how 